Welcome to Breaking the Ice, a podcast about stammering. Brought to you by people who stammer. So have you got any sort of questions for, for us, uh, Anna, anything you wanted to throw at us? Yeah, well, from a personal point of view, I'd love to know your kind of journeys through um, speech therapy as a child, um, or if there's any takeaway pieces from as a speech therapist that would really have made a difference to you um, growing mm, yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, my, mine is, I suppose, quite straight, straightforward that I had zero assistance when I was a child or growing up. It just didn't seem to be available. It certainly wasn't suggested and it, it never occurred to me. So it's only been in later adult life um that i have um sought speech speech therapy um and i i've basically found it very useful and it's it's helped me to to get to the the position where where i am now but that's that's only in the last few years really um and yeah. you know i've found all the sessions and courses and things that i've i've been on you know very very helpful so yeah i, I and and you know i certainly think the sort of modern approach that Hannah was outlining outlining um is is absolutely critical and just to touch back on that um when you were a child did you know you had a stammer if that makes that makes sense and did and did it have did you know it was called a stammer or was it something no I I, I I I I think, to be honest with you, Tom, no, I, I don't think I had any idea. My my parents never really talked about it, and I didn't talk about it to, to them. Um, I, I think it was only later, I, I don't know at what point exactly, probably when I was maybe a teenager, that I became aware that there was a, a condition, if that's the right word to use, called stammering, stuttering, whichever term that you, you want to use but initially no I had no idea and I, I can't ask them now but I, I don't even know if my parents you know knew what was wrong with me um, it, it just seemed to be a completely sort of taboo subject and it was never it was never mentioned at school by any of my masters never I'm going to pick you up on something you've just said there, because okay. I feel it's quite apt to what we talked about before. You said, what was wrong with me? Yes. Which, so, Indeed. so, and I know we've just talked about the whole, um, <clears throat> um, not seeing it as something you need to kind of cure or to change. It's not a bad thing. It's just a part of who you are. It's the way you talk. Um, but I think I'm kind of with you where I, I think of it as um, something as a negative. Not, maybe yeah. that's not the right word, but maybe I don't see it. I'm not at that stage yet where I'm like, this is something to be really proud of and I want to tell the world about it. Though we are doing this podcast, which we sort of are. <laughs> um, but I think I think if you said that, you didn't really think about what you were saying. You just kind of said it as. No, no, and, 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 and I think I'm in that boat as well. How, 
that that was that was definitely how I viewed it. And I think, to be honest, if I'd had one wish in the whole world when I was a teenager, um, it, it, it would be um, to to for the the stammer to to magically disappear. Yeah. No. Same. Yeah. Same. And it is an interesting thing that it kind of became what I used as um, so. I would kind of say, I hate doing this or I can't do this because of my stammer. Mm -hmm. And whilst that might be true, it would be interesting. I we, we won't, well, there's no way to know. Like it'd be interesting if I could know how much of that was my stammer. And if I didn't have a stammer, I might still have hated those things. It, it might not be the stammer, but the stammer was what got the the blame if that makes sense. So when I was a kid, um, my mum and dad were great in the sense that I went to speech ther therapy from, I must must be about five or six, and I, and I kept doing it. So I think it was a, week, a weekly thing, I think, or each two weeks perhaps, that I did until I think I was about 12. Um, and then at that point, it wasn't, I don't think it really was my choice, but it was the decided that um, I didn't need to keep going and that perhaps they had helped me as much, much as they could, or perhaps it was now down to me to use what I learned, perhaps. Um, but it would be quite interesting interesting to to see um Hannah your kind of thoughts on um what they taught me so so this is what I learned as a child which was that you um you take a breath a breath in and then you start to breathe out and then and then you start talking so so the point is that the 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 airflow starts before you start to talk, and then that therefore I think helps you helps you to talk. I suppose it, there's less chance you're going to block. I think, um, mm -hmm. but that's so that that was the you breathe in, you start to breathe out, and then you start to talk, and then and then keep doing that. I suppose um, is that some thing that you would teach now or is it completely different no no there's there's certain techniques that you can use depending on the type of difficulty that a child or an adult might be experiencing and each one will has to kind of find the best fit for that person and also sometimes that for that person in different situations they might need certain things so obviously there's um the costal breathing hamish isn't there that um, yes. you're practicing where in the past that's about the whole um, everything you say you're changing the way that you speak yep. versus well actually what if I only stammer on a couple of words <laughs> in a mm. sentence so you might look at the type of um, times that that person gets stuck and the severity of it and what fits best for them and so there's that element of it but I think now what we look at is that is a part of speech therapy um, and speech and language therapy around a stammer. So 
we break it down into those areas where a, a large for some people that come in they might have quite a what we might class as quite a mild relaxed stammer but from a social and emotional point of view it has huge impacts on everything that they're doing yeah. like we're saying the weight that they put on that stammer kind of psychological element of it so a lot of our time actually might not be on that physical let's not stammer because we also know and we mentioned before that stammers are impacted on by emotion and so if you're worried about the stammer your emotion is already high when you're entering into a speaking situation yet we yes. know that, that emotion is going to have a negative impact on our stammer so we get into this cycle yes. so do we think right we're going to fix the stammer bit or we think well hang on can we catch it earlier than that can we catch it at that initial thought I'm going to stammer everyone's going to think I'm stupid what well, all the thoughts that each and which are different for obviously everybody so if we can catch it at that point are we working on it twofold if you like that we're less likely for the um stammer to happen but also that that self um talk and how we feel about the stammer so a lot of the thoughts we might have around a stammer and, and obviously you will probably both be different but a similar potentially theme is everyone's going to laugh at me or they're going to think this so we do a lot of mind reading about um what can happen a lot of catastrophizing about the situation yeah. mm-hmm. um we overgeneralize so we might make sweeping statements well this always happens to me this is you know i never get anything out right um so we I should have done that better. So all of these thoughts then impact on that that feeling. Yeah. So we have that thought, I'm gonna stammer, everyone's gonna laugh at me. Where we then get a physical we get a feeling, or oh, I feel embarrassed, I feel sad, I feel ashamed, which then we notice the physical changes in our body before we've even spoken. Yeah. So you might notice your heart rating, you might notice sweaty palms, all the things that we often yeah. associate with anxiety. Again, you're te- with what we're noticing is that the person that's stammering is telling their themselves and their body is picking up on that I'm in danger. Mm-hmm. That I am that by when I speak, I'm in a dangerous situation. I'm in an uncomfortable, scary, yeah. you know, the fight or flight response. Yeah, yeah. And so we're yeah. we're then more likely overloading from an emotional point of view, on and we're either going to avoid. Mm-hmm. We're going to, like you were saying, um, Tom, that you didn't speak and you were quieter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or then we're, we're more likely to stammer. So it's working with people on different aspects and each person will have um, a different percentage for them that that impacts. Mm-hmm. Um, the family might be something in the, mm-hmm. the environment about how they can support that. I know we spoke before about the language that we can use around young people but also um you know maybe there's uh slight changes that we can make from a school point of view that might support it or from a um a particular teacher if there's a way that they could look at it and the environment so sometimes the environment particularly when they're i say younger or older might impact on that child at different degrees and then I leave it with them. So if I've worked with a young, if we've kind of done our initial appointments and we've we've talked about, um, you know, how things are for them and we decide that therapy is something that they really want to kind of um, or feel would be benefit 
beneficial for them, I often give them a, a blank pie chart. So, yeah. right, we've spoken about thought, the thoughts and feelings around how that impacts on you and how you feel about it and how that kind of cycle that it can have. We've also talked about the types of stammer you have, like you might block, you might, or the different environments um, that can impact on. Um, and with certain children might say, and also we know that, you know, you said that you forget words sometimes. If we were to work on it, what would what would you, what percentage, like where on this pie chart would you want to put, how much of it do you feel is thoughts and feelings you'd like to work on? How much is it techniques? So different children and adults will come up with their own. And it tells me a lot as a therapist to make sure that we're actually, they're the experts in their own communication. And there's no point in me saying, actually, I want to work on your thoughts and feelings when they've come in thinking all I want to do is when I block, know that I've got a technique that can get me out of that block. Yeah. We have to have a starting point where we're both together on that therapy being a really mutual experience. And, and it really varies. Some children will come in and say, you know, I'm not human. I don't feel normal, mm. but I, and so for them, they might draw a large part of it being around how they feel about their stammer. Um, other people might come in going, yeah, whatever, Hannah, you might want to talk about my thought. You know, you're talking to me about my thoughts and feelings, but I actually need to feel in control of this. And they're different personality types and they might give me 85 percent of their pie chart might be techniques at strategies. And at that point, I can say, absolutely, that will we can work on that. But we might also want to be thinking about this. And they go, okay, I'll give you 15% okay. of it. And we go, okay, well, that's a good starting point. So that when that person comes to therapy, we're actually between us. We know what was the key focus and where we're starting at from, you know, and some people really are happy to go into the, the thoughts and the feelings behind it and other people not so much, but it's a, it's a good, it's a shared understanding of, okay, we'll do this this amount yeah. of the session and then we're going to come back to this or we'll do it this for the first few weeks but then we'll come on to this bit so that we're kind of following that and it would change you'll probably find that your focus at 12 is different to your focus now mm. and it's just having that fluid yeah. but shared understanding of as a speech therapist, this is what we can look at in our sessions um and have that kind of shared waiting um and particularly when you're working with teenagers, they've got a lot going on anyway. Do you know? Like you were saying, to, even if your stammer wasn't there, you're still working out who you are, yeah. how you fit in socially, what yeah. careers you want to have. And, yes. and it's, it's explaining that that is mixed in with the stammer, makes them who they are. And right. also, do you not, and you're probably, again, best answers, do you think your stammer has made you a better you know has given you strengths that if you didn't have a stammer you might not have had i think it probably has looking back on it now hannah and i think i can only see that quite recently i don't think i could have said that a few years ago and certainly not when i was much younger but yeah i i i i, I think it probably has and i think that is all part of this process which has come pretty late in life to me of actually being comfortable with it come comfortable with with myself mm. I think one from me is that um because I don't talk much I let um someone else do the talking 
Um, so I think depending on who that is, and they sometimes people need to talk and they need to share things, whereas I've never really been like that. But again, is that because of my stammer or is that just the way that I am, that I, I'm quite content to let someone else talk? I've, I've always thought that I learn more by someone else talking because I kind of know what I know, but if they're going to talk, then I'm learning from them a lot more. Um, so I think a, that is a skill that I may not have had um, because a lot of it is brought on by the, th- by the fact I don't want to talk. So I'm quite content to let you talk. Whereas if I didn't have a stammer, would I want want to talk more? I feel like now that I've grown up a bit more, I like to talk more than I did for sure as a kid or yeah, a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, yeah. I feel, yeah, 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 and and I don't um, avoid people knowing about my speech now. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, what then I find is that if I stammer, it isn't like a roadblock. So, in the past, I would have, I would have had the stammer, and then been like, oh, God, I feel awful now. Like it's ruined my day. I'd go into like a soul core kind of like shrink I suppose um and whereas now I don't have that so then mm. I push on from there and then um it then reinforces it next time that stammer that I stammered that time and it was fine and I didn't really care and I pushed on their thing so if I stammer again then it's going to be fine it's breaking that model, isn't it? That cycle. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and if our brain has realised that you went into a dangerous situation, but but it survived, it's going to more likely to respond in the same way as you go into that situation. So we've got that of trying to catch it younger and to be working through that, but also that understanding of saying, well, sometimes I might have to, really talk myself down and and really hear that quiet voice that tells me I am good enough and that yeah. actually what I have to say does add value um and that confidence that we were saying before about being a confident communicator to to unlearn that association that we've got with um uh, being in danger that when we speak it and if anyone finds out or if the stammer comes we're um fearful because our brain doesn't necessarily know the difference that there isn't a you know we're not going to be eaten by lions versus i'm about to speak in a social situation um so how would you go about teaching or so say so say i come to you and i'm like 12 and and this this is something that i have now and i i think i had then and it goes back to what you were saying about the thought before you talk. So you've already convinced yourself you can't talk. Because I have that yeah. a lot where just as I'm about to talk, I I can't describe it, but it's it's like I just know this isn't going to come out. Whereas I can't know that, but I I I guess I it's just like a feeling that perhaps perhaps like shrinking might be a, a word where the air kind of all comes out and I suddenly it's like it's not 
a choice. It's just um, this is not going to come out. Like, did like I I just know this now. Like, there's no way for me to explain how, but I just know that this word will not now come out. Um, but in terms of say, if I came to to you, what would be the process of kind of getting that personal me out of that thought? So before I've come to the word, I've convinced myself I can't say it, and then I can't say it, right? So the point of what you were saying is that if you can take that away, then that's going to help your speech. Yeah, and that's what we would start. You know, you said there before, I don't know what it is I'm thinking, and that's what we would work together on, saying, well, what is that thought that shows up for me when I'm in that difficult situation with my speech. So it's about first just finding that thought. What is it? What am I saying to myself? Or what are the types of things I'm saying? And we're writing them down. So sometimes when you're seeing something written down, thinking, right, oh yeah. yeah, that is what I would say to myself. Or when, you know, when I'm heading into this situation is, oh, you mustn't do this, or you're gonna do this, or you're gonna embarrass yourself. So we're just starting to look at it. And then what emotions show up? alongside that what are you feeling when you're you're feeling that um okay. how does my body respond like what am i noticing so you're starting just to start to understand not just you know how your stammer is and what that sounds like but what is under what is going on underneath that that i'm telling myself that is going to happen before i've um put that in and then what could i swap that with so what could i swap that with at the beginning rather than saying I'm going to stammer say I'm going to give this a good go or I'm going to be all right like what what words so you're doing it in kind of a fake situation to start with where you're using the grain you know you're using your brain kind of more analytically and as yeah. a slightly detached from being in that moment because when we're in moments of fear it's really hard to suddenly think logically because um of the way that our brain has kind of gone into that fight or flight mode um starting to identify kind of patterns like, am i catastrophizing like expecting the worst mm. like what you were saying before am i ruminating thinking going over and over things do i kind of snowball and things get bigger and bigger in my mind am i doing these types of things am i beating myself up like am i in my own internal critic so you're starting just to understand the layers if you like yeah of underneath the stammer and then thinking okay is there a situation where I can um, like change that slightly? And what am I noticing? Or do I notice from a physical point of view when I go into a communicating situation that I actually am like flicking my nails or tense or, you know, do it. So what happens if I undo that? Like what if I consciously relax, you know, once you've worked out what it is you're doing, mm -hmm. what, you know, what does that, kind of impact yeah. have and then also challenging your thoughts everyone's gonna think they're gonna think i'm stupid well let's stop and look at that do they you know does your person you work with think you're stupid you know and that sometimes we have these very quiet thoughts that are very loud but we're not always aware of them that are over generalizing or that are thinking that people are going to think i'm an idiot if i do this or people are um, I'm not going to, this isn't going to happen. Well, let's challenge that. Mm. You know, when you stammered, did people care? Mm. 
so that we start to kind of unpick those parts of it um, and start to notice that voice that we're um, using. And what is another voice that we could put in? So you're kind of, and again, it's different for everybody um, at different levels, but you're starting just to understand um, that kind of that cycle for you and how can we make that other voice louder even though we can hear the other one let's not we automatically believe it and, and that, that is quite I found that quite interesting when I began to talk to friends and family about my stammer uh, my overriding impression from you know what people's reaction was that they didn't see it as being a big thing so I'd actually made it into being a much bigger thing than it, than it really was and I, I didn't get the feeling that people thought any the less of me or thought I was stupid or odd or anything else at all yeah and and also how mm. much do you focus on your or have you in the past focused on your speaking entering into a speaking situation and then that is the situation that actually you're more likely to stammer in than like you were saying Tom before when I'm in a general conversation it doesn't happen as much yeah. because that focus of what your thoughts aren't telling you you're in danger your body yeah. is relaxed all those bits yeah, sure. so it's just starting to kind of understand those elements of yeah. it and that so, we have we are training we are training the brain from yeah. a young age to focus on the stammer and yeah. to focus on it whereas um and and what we focus on, the brain then trains to be more hyper, a bit like when you buy a car. Mm -hmm. You might suddenly buy a new car, but then you suddenly you notice that car around all the time. Yeah, <laughs> Whereas yeah. before the brain hasn't been aware of it. And then you're picking yeah. up on parts of your speech, slight tension, slight movements, and reinforcing that for yourself as a negative. Mm. Um, whereas other people <clears throat> probably didn't even notice, and even if they did it really didn't resonate like it didn't it wasn't such this big thing like you were saying Hamish you build no. up people no. are going to judge me they're going to xyz but I think that is in any walk of life you might go out for dinner and you think well, actually you step back there's someone around that table might have spent three hours getting ready they might have tried on 20 different outfits right and actually for you as someone around that table no offense to the other person, but you're not that bothered. Yeah. If no, they've yeah, worn yeah. the green one or the red one, or if they look a bit bigger than they thought they were. But for them, it would have been this potentially a big, big thing. thing. Yeah. Everyone's going to think, everyone's going to put so much importance onto this. When actually, as someone around that table, you really, and not the rudest man, you don't care. Like yeah, you're just no, they're no, there. No. And, no, and that's no. one of the things I speak to the children and the young people I work with is to say as a friend would you rather your friend was fluent or would you rather your friend brought them whole, their whole self and spoke to you about what they wanted to say like if you went out for dinner <clears> or you were playing with someone but they only spoke to you in things that they said they were going to be fluent mm. or yeah, would you rather point, yeah. and stammered the whole way through it but were genuine and they brought them yeah. their whole self to that conversation. Cause I know yeah. as a friend, you know, you might be really worried about stammering. It really wouldn't bother mm. me. I would rather you came and went, mm. Oh, and I've had a really bad day. day. X, Y, has happened yeah. because that's what I want. I want my, 
the people I work with, my um, family, my friends to just be genuine and to mm. feel that they just bring them the whole selves. And if that whole self is an anxiety about what they look like, if it is an anxiety about their weight, if it is a, a stammer, whatever it is, I would rather it was just there. And I think yeah. if we asked the majority of society, they would feel exactly the sure. same. Absolutely. But we judge ourselves. Whatever our focus is, we can amplify that anxiety um, to personalize it. When actually <clears throat> you were at the table with a stammer, you know, people really don't, mind yeah. one of the things i think it there's a connection with is that kind of dyslexia 20 years ago right yes okay there would be a shame around it people wouldn't have yeah. said they have dyslexia they would have no, associated no. the stupid or and not worthy and an employer might think oh i might not employ you know like there was a real negative association Whereas nowadays, dyslexia, people, even within high-powered jobs, are more like, oh, yeah, I'm dyslexic. Mm. You know, you hear it a lot more, and people go, oh, okay. <laughs> so if someone in your workplace said to you, I'm dyslexic, it probably would register. You go, okay. And then yeah. you'd move on. Yeah, true. Um, where a lot of people are with stammering, except the person that stammers. And people that have dyslexia, yes, they experience difficulties on a daily basis um but more and more people are are self-advertising with it a lot yes, more people sure. are comfortable with it and a lot more people don't see that it's impacting on their career choices that actually it's the responsibility of my employee to <laughs> make changes rather than to me yeah yeah i think that that is that is very true hannah and, and i think it is just this point going back to sort of stammering it is just about raising general awareness of it and making it you know just part of everyday life essentially so that people don't treat it as being anything different than a, a whole host of other things yeah and i don't want to in any way belittle the impact it has on people that do have a stammer yeah. on a daily basis that you know it isn't you know they, they, it will cause those <clears throat> hurdles but it's seeing them as um, and that's where my job comes in is to say, OK, what are these hurdles and what ones can we put things in place to make them less of a hurdle? Which ones are there and are there kind of techniques and strategies that we can support with? And some of them are there. And yes, we have to live with them. And, and therefore, they're the ones we need to you know, work out how we're going to live with them best and reduce its impact as much as we can to come back to what we said right at the beginning about making confident communicators, people that yeah. bring them whole selves to conversations, to bring them whole selves to um, to work every day, their whole self um, into their relationships with their friends, their families, um, and to their careers. And that's where I feel that my role is to support. And, and everybody will have a different journey and everyone will have a different slice of that pie chart that has different weight for them and and that's where we can go from hamish and i are part of the jersey stammering support group the support group was set up in 2015 to offer support to people on the island with a stammer if you would like to get in touch with the jersey stammering support group you can email us at jersey.stammering.group at gmail.com 
or find us on Facebook and leave us a message. Well, I think we're probably coming to the end of our time, and that's that's probably quite a good point, maybe just to leave that the conversation. It's been really interesting and insightful having you with us, um, Hannah, and uh, we both thank you very much indeed for your for your time this evening. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a, a pleasure. And just to say, I really feel that what you're doing is really helping people the young people the older people and a really brave um thing to be out there to be vulnerable and to be um communicating confidently exactly how we want to show other people thank you thank you and i'm going to flip that back and say um how much of an incredible job you do as as someone who had speech there therapy as a child and like the the good effect it had on me um i i know how much i would have loved to have had you there when i was a kid and and the way way that you talk and the way you see a stammer and the way you try and see it's not something to be fixed it's it's not a bad thing it's a part of you and it and it doesn't need to be the thing that stops you doing all these things you want to do in life um i think yeah i just think the job you do is um uh, amazing and i hope you know just how massive such what um what's the word how much good you're doing for these children is what i'm trying to say so thank you from both of us Indeed, thank yeah, uh, yeah, 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 indeed. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Ice. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.